proclaim the gospel of the Lord is a powerful message indeed. It is one that can change hearts, it can, can change people's lives. When the, God asks us to speak out in the world and build up his kingdom, he's asking us to fulfill that mission that we were called to at our baptism, to proclaim the gospel. When we speak the Lord's truth, it's powerful, especially if we do it clearly, with our words and our actions, with our love, our faith, expressed in joy. It can change people's lives. Even if we're kind of half-hearted about it, it can change people's lives. You see this in Jonah. Jonah was given this message to ask Nineveh, this very, very wayward town, to convert, to repent. They were, they were idolatrous, they were immoral, they were doing all these horrible things. And Jonah didn't like them. The Ninevites didn't like the Israelites. And so we know the story of Jonah. He's a reluctant prophet. He's like, God, I, don't want, God, I do not want to do this. God's like, oh, yeah, but you're going to do it. Jonah's like, am I? God's like, yes, you are. Jonah says, I'm going the other direction. God's like, are you? And then uh, whatever, he gets tossed in the water, eaten by a fish, he's spit up on the beach, and he's like, fine. I am going to go into Nineveh. And it takes three days to walk through. And I got this sense of Nineveh. I get this sense of the prophet Jonah saying, you know, I was talking to the Lord, and you guys have got to change your ways. And not doing it particularly full-throatedly, not really, like, boisterously. I just get the sense of, like, kind of grumbling with his arms crossed. That's, that's the prophet Jonah in my head. It's a, it's a very short book. It's meant to be a comedic book. It's this how God can work, because the truth of the message just pierced the heart of the Ninevites, and they're like, wow, okay. You're, things are wayward. They're aware of it. They just were just barely reminded by Jonah, the reluctant prophet, and they convert. And then Jonah's mad about it. That's the book of Jonah in a nutshell. But we have this idea of, we have this idea like a few things. Like sometimes we have an idea of the faith or preaching the gospel has to be like, I have to convince people, I have to assert people the truth, and i got to beat them over the head until they uh, agree. What is that? Uh, I saw a sign in my boss's office many moons ago that said something like, the beatings will continue till morale improves. <laughs> um, that's, not, that's how we preach evangelization sometimes. And that's, it's, it's not a great approach. Sometimes we treat the faith like it's some kind of real fragile little flower. I think of the image of like uh, the, the cartoon Beauty and the Beast where he's got this little magical flower and it's under this vase and he hides it in this dark corner of the, his mansion and no one's allowed to go near it. And, and then we got to protect it because it's such a, such a fragile little thing that, that we rely on our faith. But that's not something we need to get out of the way and point to it. And we need to do it as our best selves we don't have to be uh, a St. Dominic or a St. Francis. We do not have to be a, a, a great pope or, or some great influencer or some kind of powerful figure in this, in this goofy sideways society. We just have to be ourselves and be joyful in that faith that we've been given to proclaim the gospel. Now, it would be better if we did it with a little more gusto than Jonah seems to have done it. 
Repent and believe in the gospel. It was Jesus' invitation, and it was enough for Andrew and Simon, James and John, to just change their lives. And if you don't think other people can experience the full presence of Christ in our witness, then you are sorely misunderstanding our baptismal call and our participation in his divine spirit. Yeah, we are not... uh, individuals we are not christ but as the church and we are the body of christ and through his holy spirit we share in that mission as readily as the apostles called and sent into the world with their special mission their personal mission we hear this word gospel and i think it'd be handy for us to be able to proclaim the gospel to know what we mean by that we hear that word gospel but if I ask most of us, and even like 16 years ago, when I well, maybe right out of seminary, I knew more, I think. I forgot a lot. Um, so maybe eight years ago, if you asked me, give me a good, a good thumbnail p- elevator pitch. What's the gospel? What's the good news? I'd, I'd fumble, and I'd probably have fumbled with it. Um, but uh, I'm going to give you this four-piece, and I got this from a father, uh, John Ricardo. i got to look up his name for tomorrow. <laughs> his last name's Ricardo, I know that. Um, this four classic traditional understanding of what is the gospel message. Because we think, we hear the word gospel, we hear good news, that's what it means. It means a proclamation. If you want to be geeky with the Greek, the word's kerygma. So perhaps you've heard that word if you're, you read churchy things, the kerygma. What is that? The proclamation, the announcement of, of the good news. We hear the word gospel, we think of the four evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the the New Testament we call the gospels. But that's not what Jesus is referring to uh, in the gospel when he says believe in the gospel because he's saying stuff before it's written. (laughs) Uh, What does Jesus mean by this? Well, the gospel is this. And then his father, John Ricardo, breaks it down into four words. And so it's C-C-R-R, two C's, two R's. Created, captured, rescued, and a response. So the old-timey, traditional, theological, there's little sentences and things that go with it. But I think if we just remember these four words, or the four ideas, created, captured, rescued, response, these four things unpack for us a way of looking at how we can proclaim the world, proclaim to the world, to invite people to repent and believe in the gospel. Maybe, like Jonah, that's all we need to say to somebody, but I doubt it. I don't think if we're walking down the sidewalk and we're passing somebody, they say, hey, good morning, and you say, repent and believe in the gospel, I'm not guessing it's going to like change their lives. I could be wrong. I don't know. But uh, it's probably not the route I would recommend. When I think about this created, captured, rescue, and response, here's what I mean by this. This is the four kind of pieces of what this means, the good news. A, that we are created by an all-powerful God. The word created captures in this that we are creatures, that, that, uh, that there is a God and we're not him. Uh, this idea that um, everything that is good and beautiful and true in this life is given to us by God. This is a creation that, that we are created and that creation was meant to be good. So that's the first piece of it. It says a lot about our relationship with who God is. It says a lot about who our belief in God, our rightful place in the world, and then how much of an honor, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, 
that we participate in his nature. God created the world and saw that it was good. Created. Created, captured, rescued, response. Two C's, two R's. We're going to move on to captured. But we're captured by sin. There's external things to us, um, really demonic forces that lead us into sin. There are things that are broken within us just because of our own human nature. We were captured by sin. We're broken by sin. And this is the message that Jonah, all Jonah had to work for, work with, was the fact that, hey, we're ca- we were created and now we're captured we're by this brokenness. Uh, but he was in what was called in the age of, um, the age of promise. There is a Messiah coming. We have to prepare. We've got to make the way. Uh, we need to repent and be in right relationship God, with God who created us. That's all the gospel that Jonah had to work with. But we have so much more. We have what we hear in the, uh, uh, in the second reading with St. Paul. We are in the time of fulfillment of those promises. So what is the gospel? Created, captured, rescued, response. We've been rescued by Christ himself, that God enters into this world. Just a few weeks ago, we were celebrating the great mystery of Christmas, the incarnation, that God, the creator of the universe, who made all things good, entered into it in this entirely vulnerable, humble way, this self-emptying way, so that we can be assured of his tremendous love for us. We can be positive about how he loves us and what kind of relationship he has wants with us. We have been rescued by Christ. To truly understand that we have a Savior and a Redeemer, it's necessary for us to recognize sin, that we are captured, but yet we are rescued. What is the gospel? We were created, we were captured, we were rescued, and now there is a response. And what is that response? In this time of fulfillment that St. Paul talks about, our response is gratitude, joy, it's faith, it's hope, and it's expressed in love. It's this recognition that being rescued The Lord himself has sent the Holy Spirit among us so that we can be that message to others. A message, an invitation to this greatness to which we are all called. The goodness of our original plan of the Lord who made us, who created us. He's setting things right. That is the gospel. Now I think now, just memorizing created, captured, rescued, and response isn't particularly helpful to convince anybody. But I think if we really pondered this idea and prayed about what it means that we are created in right relationship and who God is who created us, or we sat and we pondered about how we are captured by our sinfulness from within our own brokenness or from without the brokenness of others, or perhaps even the, the broken spiritual evils that exist in this world, that we are captured, but it's not, the story doesn't end there with the great gift of Jesus Christ who suffered, died, rose for us. Our response is to invite others. Our response is to see things the way that Paul saw things. And that's why Paul talks about it being the fulfillment of time. It's a time of wisdom, of interior peace. 
It's a time of purpose. It's a time where things make sense. Do we look at things this way? If we consider what the gospel is and Jesus' invitation to us, repent and believe in the gospel. Believe that we are created and, and by whom and for what. Believe in real sin, that sin's reality in our world. But believe that we are rescued from it. That sin, while central to the story, is definitely not the end. The end is our response to Christ's salvation that he offers us. St. Paul fully adopts this understanding of what the gospel was. He applies it to his life. That's what he means in the second reading when he says time is running out, that we're in the age of fulfillment. St. Paul came to understand that Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of God's promise, gave way to this age of fulfillment, and that's when everything changes. He dedicated his next 30 years of his life to helping others discover what he found, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, an unconditional forgiveness of his sins, and the wisdom of joy of living this central truth out of his life. All the passing sorrows, joys, and worries of this present life do not disappear when we understand the gospel and what that means to proclaim it. But these things all fall into their proper place. Because while we were created in all that that brokenness, we were captured. We know that we were rescued in Christ, and then we have a right response to it. Let us not be like Jonah, stuck in that age of promise with with no hope. Because once Christ becomes the center of our lives, we see things from his perspective, he becomes a unifying factor. And to recognize that he's inviting us to respond. Created, captured, created, captured, rescued, response. You respond as us, not as a St. Francis or St. Dominic or a St. Benedict or, or uh, pick your favorite saint. Um, but as a, 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 a St. Greg Ball, well, you're not asked to be that. Neither is Rod Allers, for that matter. <laughs> uh. Today, the Lord's going to renew his call to us personally, a real call to holiness. And let's consider if there's any pieces of the gospel that we just don't have a right relationship with or we don't consider enough when we react and interact with others in life. Because he's going to renew his call to offer himself to us in this Eucharist. He's going to remind us of this true course of human history. He's going to motivate us to renew our response to that call in our hearts. So let us let our friendship with him truly become the most important thing for us. More important than whatever our plans, pleasures, hopes, and comforts are. Let's hear Christ say, repent and believe in that gospel. Because in doing so, we're going to invite others to know the joy of it. Because then this world will not be in its present form, but we'll recognize the brokenness which is passing away when we'll respond with great gratitude, hope, joy, love.